Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Mark chapter 13, verse 1. Then, as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. So one of the disciples was showing Jesus something about how the temple was built. Of course, this is the Herodian temple, what we call the second temple. Zerubbabel originally built the second temple, but it was uh, con- it's considered a great embellishment. I mean, it was really a rebuild by Herod, but it's uh, the Jews don't accept that Herod's temple was really a rebuild of Zerubbabel's temple. They consider it a tremendous embellishment. But nonetheless, it really was a rebuild of the temple. And so they're showing him these Herodian stones and such. You can still see them in Jerusalem. I've been there 17 times. So it says here, uh, they say, he said, Teacher, uh, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Now watch Jesus' response. Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Oh, that got their attention. Now, verse 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, and I've been to the Mount of Olives many times, a beautiful scene. Uh, we'd call what the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives, we might call them large hills because it's not really a mountain like some of the mountains that we have here in uh, America, but uh, a large hill, so to speak. But it takes, you know, uh, it would be, oh, maybe a 20-minute walk to walk from up on top of the Mount of Olives down into the Kidron Valley and then up uh, into the Temple Mount of Jerusalem. 20-minute walk, oh, maybe a little longer, could be 30 minutes. Uh, but nonetheless, it's not all that far. But nonetheless, they were sitting on the Mount of Olives now, looking back over at the temple on the other side of the Kidron Valley. And Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, now these are two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew and James and John, asked him privately, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. Now that phrase, the beginning of sorrows, this is this is the picture of a woman who's come to full term in, in her pregnancy, and she begins to have contractions. The labor pains are beginning. And so Jesus is saying, when these things are happening in the world, the increase of earthquakes, the increase of famines, pestilences, and such, he said, these are the beginning of sorrows. These are troubles. Well, we're watching these things These things happen in our world. He said, nation will rise against nation. We saw all these big world wars that happened, World War I and II, certainly uh, early in the last century. Verse 9, he said, but watch out for yourselves 
for they will deliver you up to councils and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my, for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you, verse 11, but when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given to you or given you in that hour, speak that, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. So that he said the Holy Spirit's going to speak through you. Now, why is that? Because when they're coming up to be judged or even martyred, God wants still the gospel to be preached to whoever is listening. Hey, let me tell you, God wants to save people. Anybody who's martyred, by the way, and I know we see that as a horrible thing, but remember this, what happens when you're martyred? Okay, now you live eternally with God and everything's good forever and ever and ever. But the people who martyred you and the people who were around when you were being judged and martyred and such, if they don't hear the gospel, they'll spend eternity in hell. So just as God gave his son and sacrificed his son that the world may be saved, God sees the eternal view. And so if somebody is martyred, but they can preach the gospel, or if they're even persecuted, imprisoned, or whatever, but they can share the gospel, you, you never know who will end up getting saved and privately praying. Even if they're under communism, we've seen this happen. But they will privately pray because of the deep impact of somebody who, if they would just renounce their faith, they could be free. But they must really believe it. And oh, the testimony that and the impact that that makes on people for somebody to believe it that much that they would be willing even to be persecuted, imprisoned, or even martyred for their faith. And so Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will give you the words. Don't try to come up with some kind of a speech. The Holy Spirit will give it to you in that day. That's how much God wants to speak through these people who are being persecuted. Verse 12, now brother will betray brother to death and a father his child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. What does this mean? Well, uh, when, when things get really intense, people will do what they never thought they would do. They'll even give up their family members to save themselves. Verse 13, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. So when you see the abomination of desolation, oh, now we have something clear because the abomination of desolation, this is the Antichrist that, that Daniel, he's quoting from Daniel. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not. Well, where ought it not? In other passages, it says in the holy place and in the temple. And the temple, of course, is the holy space, the holy place. So the Antichrist is going to end up standing in the temple, uh, the temple. Well, there's no temple now because the, the temple of, of Herod, the second temple, was destroyed in 70 AD. And so for nearly 2,000 years, there has not been a temple in Jerusalem. So apparently there's going to be a temple rebuilt. And the Antichrist is going to end up going into the temple where he shouldn't go. It says so, but but Daniel, among others, prophesied that. So when you see the abomination of desolation, and interesting, he's telling his disciples when you see it. Well, obviously, they're dead, so we know that they never ended up seeing that happen. But 
He's talking to his disciples who represent all of us believers in Christ. And he's saying, when you see it. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, it seems apparent that the Antichrist, when he goes into the temple, he breaks the covenant and such. That's halfway through the tribulation period. So why is Jesus telling the believers here, when you see it? If there's a pre-tribulation rapture, we're not going to see it. We'll be gone. And by the way, that that belief is my favorite. I'd, I'd love to get out before the tribulation period. However, just when you read through the Bible, that's not the way the Bible reads. You have to come up with other scriptures to make it say that. I've taught it both ways, so I, I know very well uh, how to approach both sides. But just reading through the Bible, this is not the way that it reads. So he says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing word ought not, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, and pray that your flight may not be in winter. For in those days there will be tribulation such such as has not been since the beginning of the creation. Well, this is talking about the tribulation period, of course, which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. In other words, there'll never be a tribulation uh, on the earth like the one that's going to happen in the seven-year tribulation at the end of the age. Verse 20, And unless the Lord has shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, wait a minute, the elect? Who's the elect? Somebody said, well, those are the followers of the Lord. Yeah, but if the rapture happened at the beginning, then why do you have to shorten the day for the elect's sake? They're not even there. See, this is interesting, isn't it? And so, but for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Even the elect. So the elect will be there. Of course, those who are still alive. Verse 23, but take heed, see, I have told you all these things beforehand. But in those days, after the tribulation, after that tribulation, so now we've gone through all or about all of the seven years, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers uh, in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together uh, his elect from the four winds from the farthest parts of the earth to the farthest parts of heaven. I believe that's the rapture right there. So they're going to see the sign of man coming. Now, he didn't hit the earth yet, but they're going to see in heaven him coming. coming. And you remember when Jesus, on the day he ascended, and the uh, hundreds of people were looking up, watching him go up in a cloud, and two angels stood and said, why do you gaze up in, in the sky? He said, this same Jesus whom you saw go is going to come in like manner. And if you read the 14th chapter of Revelation, you see that Jesus comes on a cloud. And so he's in the air. They see the sign. He's on a cloud. But notice, he sends his angels and he gathers the elect to him. And just like the promise says, we'll meet him in the air. 
we raptured and meet him in the air. So uh, he gathers the elect from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. And by the way, in Hosea chapter 9 and in Joel, I think it's chapter 1, uh, and maybe I think I remember another place, but certainly those two, God calls Israel his fig tree. Well, if Israel and the rebirth of the nation of Israel in you know, in 1948, May the 14th. If that's what Jesus is talking about here, this is interesting. Watch this. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Well, I can't say for sure, but if Jesus is referring to the sign that when Israel becomes a nation again, if that's what he's talking about, folks, we'd be close. We'd be close. I can't say for sure, but it is possible. All right, verse 32. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Talking about the second coming of Jesus. But of that day and hour, or really he was talking here about uh, this rapture that happened. He's sending the angels out and such. And of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son. That's interesting. Jesus said, nor the Son. He's talking about himself. So Jesus said, I don't even know the day or the hour. Well, that tells you right there that Jesus does not have omniscience anymore. He, when he became a human being, he relinquished his omniscience. We know he relinquished his omnipresence because he allowed his omnipresence because he allowed himself to be uh, confined to a human body like us. Well, it, guess what? He also relinquished willingly his omnipotence. And that's why the Bible says that the Holy Spirit's power came upon him and he returned, uh, Luke 4.14, he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. See, so it says, nor the son, but only the father. Take heed, watch and pray for you do not know when the time is. Uh, it is like a man. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and uh, to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Now, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, look, you got to be on this. you got to be paying attention. Don't just get caught up in this life. This life is so short and so meaningless in comparison to the eternal life. And so Jesus is saying, you need to watch. You need to pay attention. You need to be on guard. Well, if you're interested, you know, we did read through the book of Revelation. That was interesting. And, of course, I did read through the book of Matthew. So you can go back and check out Matthew chapter 24 because I give some more detail. It's a lengthier chapter. and uh, But of this same subject, of this same conversation, actually. So if you're interested in those, I think uh, you'd learn a lot from them. Uh, but anyway... I enjoyed listening to Jesus teach. I hope you did today. I look forward to being with you tomorrow, Mark chapter 14. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. 
and thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com slash give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. Jerry Dearman